One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. Hannah Williams and the Affirmations are the current darlings of the worldwide soul scene. Having been sampled on Jay-Z's 444, they were catapulted around the globe. This led to them working with Tyler the Creator, Guy Chambers and Peter Rock, to name just a few. They had been personally championed by Huey Morgan, the late Sharon Jones and me. Hannah Williams is my special guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love, a British soul singer doing what Adele and Amy Winehouse have done, and that's changed the shape of popular music for the better. And in the affirmations, she's backed by an outstanding crew of the finest musicians that the UK has to offer. If you don't know her music but think the name is familiar, Hannah was a finalist on The Voice in 2021. We'll talk to Hannah about The Voice and much more after the first of her ten incredible choices. Hope she'll be happier from Bill Withers. Maybe in the lateness of the hour Makes me seem bluer than I am It's a real thrill for me to say, Hannah Williams, welcome to Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be talking to you tonight. I don't want to embarrass you, but I could hear you singing along to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just, I can't, I can't help myself. Just the, the phrasing in that song is just breathtakingly beautiful yet simple just the, bill withers did both of those things with great aplomb and he was just always kind of just coolly understated you know he was yeah very simple but so unbelievably profound yeah you know the kind of the, the profundity in a lot of his lyrics maybe not so much hope she'll be happier actually um but you know things like i can't write left-handed you know like the the the, the sort of the story of that of this guy coming back from war and just being like well you know i want to write this letter to to my to my love but i can't because my right hand's been shot off mm. you know and all that and it's like just the way in which he manages to tell stories in this kind of almost laissez-faire kind of way but but with so much depth and meaning but without sounding preachy like i think he's just he was just well it is just the most remarkable storyteller raconteur whatever you want to call him and incredible musician and vocalist and what's interesting is that you know it's not the first time bill withers is featured on this series but that's at least the third time a guest has specifically asked for something from that album. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's the thing that I think particularly makes me tick about, actually about a lot of the people that I've I've put on my, um, on my top ten, because they're such brilliant live performers. Mm. And that's, that's where I'm at my happiest. And the thing that I've, <laughs> that I've missed so dreadfully for the last couple of years, which, you know, I'm sure every performer out there yeah. has, but, um, you know, somebody who can have that sort of connection and control and ability to make thousands of people feel in that moment. Like, that's the thing that makes me want to do what I do. And that's the thing that makes me want to watch the people that I love mm. to watch and listen to. And Bill Withers really was was kind of seminal 
in my un- unraveling of, of you know what this desire I had was when I was a child to perform you know it was like you know what is this thing I feel like I'm sort of a circus freak that I just want to sing for everyone all the time literally all the time um, and my mum you know she, she played me that song probably in my it was in my late teens after my father had passed away and it just sort of came she put it on she bought Lovely Day um, and she put that on and, it, and the live versions on that particular album and I just wept and I was just mm. I was just sat there like you know chopping carrots in the kitchen and just weeping like just but with kind of sadness and joy of like oh my god he gets me that's, that's, <laughs> he understands that's the you power know? of music it will mean oh. something different to somebody else but also it's there's a song there for you when you're born and there's a song there for you when somebody passes away Oh, just so unbelievably beautiful, and yeah, I just, just the, the way that the way that that song made me feel in that first that first time of hearing it, I still have, I, I still feel that every time I hear it, and and it was really that almost um, no pun intended, and <laughs> kind of an affirmation of like to make somebody feel yeah. you don't have to be doing you know this was back in the sort of the days of you know people like Mariah Carey and you know, Christina Aguilera being sort of top of the pops and me thinking, oh, my God, it's just melisma and vocal gymnastics. Yeah. Where's the soul, man? And, yeah, and, you know, and I and I heard this song and, and just it kind of affirmed my belief in that actually for something to be extremely moving, it just needs to be real. It just needs to be... Live. Heart. Yeah, and mm. live. Mm. Like, you know, it was sort of... You know, same again, similar sort of time as you know, Cher did that, like, do you believe in oh. life after that? And it was the first time that, like, any of us had really, really heard the term auto tune. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this is going to be the death of music. <laughs> but, you know, soul is an important word because yeah. soul is a genre, but whatever the genre of music, it needs to have soul. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is going to sound unbelievably hippie, and so I apologise in advance, but I said this the other day to someone and couldn't believe I'd said it because it sounds like a cliche, but soul isn't a genre. It is a feeling, and yeah. it's a commitment to what you're doing. Um, and like you say, it's something... It's it's about it's about something being tangibly real um, and emotionally connected, you know, whether whether it means the same thing to the to the singer as it does to the to the audience member to the listener whatever doesn't really matter in in a way it's just going into something with conviction and with commitment and with understanding of of what you're actually trying to kind of transmit to your audience be it live or be it you know through through digital or through a you know a vinyl or whatever mm. there's a huge huge plethora of different genres which although you wouldn't necessarily categorize as them them as being soul they're extraordinarily soulful you know you look you look at even um let's pick something a bit sort of uh left field from soul so i mean even listening to like some iron maiden there's some moments in in early maiden which are really beautiful Mm. and very moving yeah you know there's stuff like Foo Fighters you know some of their even some of their heavier numbers you know there's there, there's this real soul energy love 
joy, sadness, whatever it is in, in the lyrical context and in the way that the way that it's it's delivered. And I'm like, that's got soul. Even though you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily put me on before the Foo Fighters <laughs> or Iron Maiden. <laughs> it's got it's got that thing and I don't know yeah. how to quantify it, but it's got that soul thing about it that just makes me believe them when they when they sing. You mentioned your mum briefly, you had two musical gifted parents, so there must have been, I guess, a lot of music growing up at home. Yeah, huge amount. So my dad, um, uh, long story short, my father was a priest, um, a, a non stipendary minister. So he was also a, um, a IT um, consultant <laughs> by day. And, and a priest by night. Godfather of my night, yeah. But he was, uh, he was an incredible musician alongside all of that, an incredible musician. Um, he could play sort of pretty much anything um, and was a great singer and a great composer. Um, and really, you know, my biggest inspiration and cheerleader as a child. Um, my mum also, she sings. Now she would never, never, ever dream of doing it outwardly to, for anyone else to hear. But she, you know, she used to be in musical theatre and stuff when she was younger. Um, she sort of played, you know, Mrs Lovett and in a Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. and all sorts of other things. She was in this in this sort of, you know, musical theatre troupe as a kid, as a young adult. Um, and my brother, um, he's a fantastic pianist, jazz, jazz pianist, played trombone extremely well. So from from literally the age of about four, I was pestering my mum to let me join the church choir because I just absolutely had this desire like I've said to sing all the time um and it was when I, I was about sort of six um I'd said come on like please am I am I old enough to join now can I join can I join she was like well look you can read music and this I promise you this is true she was like you can read music but you're still not very good at reading words so <laughs> once you can read properly you can go into the choir so yeah six weeks six weeks later miraculously I could read you the telegraph you know because <laughs> it meant that I could get into the I could get into the choir so yeah sort of age age six or six and a half seven I joined the choir and that was that was really kind of my introduction to to certainly kind of community singing ensemble singing the construction of harmony yeah I was you know within a couple of years I was head chorister and just I just knew that that was going to be be my life wanted to be an opera singer for a while um and then gave that up gave that idea up when I found partying and you know. <laughs> your um stuff <laughs> your second choice Hannah's from Radiohead tell me about yeah. uh Pyramid Song Oh, I just love this song. It's so clever. For the, anybody that hasn't heard it before, just don't try and work out what time signature it's in. Because <laughs> you'll fail. Um, but it's got this incredibly, very sort of mathematical type signature movement in it um, that is just mesmerising. But again, a bit like I Hope She'll Be Happier. It's really quite simple in in its kind of component parts but all of it put together is just this for me just an an otherworldly experience um and i've always been a big radiohead fan i think one of the first one of the first albums i actually bought was probably probably the bends um and i just have loved them since forever and i think tom york is uh, an exceptional character 
you know Johnny Greenwood's just wow what you know what a writer what a musician what what a dude um and they've just sort of unapologetically done their thing for their entire career um and you know who'd have thunk it you know sort of four white boys from Oxford have (laughs) shot absolutely international fame by making really a lot of the time very unusual kooky music but it just, I don't know, it's, it's just always spoken to me. Everything that ever comes out of Tom York's mouth just makes my spine tingle. And I just I just admire, I admire their writing um, sort of tenacity. You know, and just sort of, they've just done it. They've just gone there and done it and, and been, been weird. And people have told them they're weird and they've gone, yeah, and what? Here's some more weird stuff. Someone will like it, you know. And and I just this this for me is kind of a culmination of of all of the weirdness, but also the impeccable beauty with which Tom York sings and with which the rest of the band play their instruments. Once you discovered that you could sing and you wanted to do something with the gift that you'd be given, who who were your musical heroes? Who were you listening to? A bit of everything, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure you get bored of hearing that sentence, but no. you know, I have a very collective taste. Everybody <laughs> always has to say. Um, <laughs> but um, we genuinely did, you know, as a household. My, so my dad was was a priest, therefore there was always a huge amount of you know sacred music, lots of kind of you know ancient stuff. My dad was particularly intrigued by sort of plain chants, um, you know, Gregorian chants. So lots and lots of early, early music. Um, and there was yeah that was always kind of bumbling around we'd always have a bit of that at some point in the day but he was also heavily into things like the chieftains right um, yeah and oh who was it that did all around my hat oh steel ice band thank you steel ice band you're welcome um <laughs> so we'd all you know we'd have this sort of uh, sort of some some kind of irish and, and irish folk music folk music yeah. was very dominant um you know i went to lindisfarne on a pilgrimage when i think i was about eight years old and you know was listening to sort of all wonderful kind of you know northumberland folk music yeah. um and got heavily into that but also in the same breath was listening to things like Paul Simon's Graceland and um, Minnie Ripperton, ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> very eclectic and mix. Very, yeah. But also, you know, some real kind of seminal artists that that kind of snuck into my ears and sort of stayed there, like Nina Simone. There was just, there was a lot of very prominent, different voices that I would hear sort of you know, on a daily basis from, you know, from, well, people like Nina and Minnie Ripperton, mm. you know, um, all the way through to, to Paul Simon, who all have distinctively unusual, individually very um, expressive and weird voices. And I think that had a lot, a, a big part to play in, you know, how much... I've always enjoyed kind of being in the playground, so to speak, with with singing. Mm. Um, And again, sort of going back to what I was saying earlier about listening to Bill Withers, it just sort of affirmed this belief that it's so much cooler to not 
do something normal you know to not just do the thing that people expect you to do to just be a bit expressive and a bit odd and a bit left field and make somebody you know make people spill their tea and you know, it was always it, that all of those voices were just doing something very very interesting for for my ear um so yeah i mean i've really i really have got my mum and dad to thank for kind of you know, showing me all of these incredible types of music from from such a really, really young age. And did you have? You obviously had encouragement from home. Did you? Were you encouraged in school? Yeah, big time. Yeah, Good. always, yeah. always. I went to I went to some great schools. Um, <clears throat> my secondary school, particularly Sir William Ramsey, Ramsey um, in <laughs> um, in uh, Hazelmere in High Wycombe. It was you know a pretty average secondary school you know i wasn't particularly academic really um not in things i didn't particularly care about anyway but they just absolutely championed my love for um dramatic arts for music for art and for everything and also you know sort of really looked after me when, when my dad passed away when i was 14 they sort of really gave me the you know the chance to be expressive about about my grief and you know write stuff about my dad and um yeah an amazing school really amazing school that that properly let me let me flourish you know and didn't sort of tell me i was doing things wrong just said you know gave my difference dignity good uh, you mentioned among your influences Nina Simone, um, who's your next choice. This song epitomises Nina Simone. It's just remarkable. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of ashamed and happy to say how I came about this song. So, um, for anyone that doesn't, doesn't know, this is a clang moment. Myself and the band were sampled by Jay-Z back in 2017 on his album 444 on the title track. Um, and uh, when the album came out, obviously we all listened to the whole thing. Um, and one of the other samples that he used was from this tune, was from the tune that you're about to hear. And I'd actually never heard it before. Like Nina had such an unbelievably um, prolific catalogue that I think even a hardcore fan. <laughs> <laughs> would take a while to get through it all but but yeah i'm ashamed to say i'd never actually heard this song until 2017 and i just absolutely fell in love with it and like you say it just epitomizes her you know not only her incredible gift as a, a pianist first and foremost actually mm. that was what her her real you know desire was to be was to be a concert pianist which she was but also a remarkable songwriter um and um a ranger of, of of standards and you know she would reimagine old songs into something completely different but wrote some an un unbelievably incredible music and this song is you know is a story of four women dealing with their own troubles in you know uh, a patriarchy and um during you know still dur during segregation um and I think I think it's a really remarkable song and when you think about when she recorded that it was at a time when she still wouldn't have been allowed to go in the front door of the theatre she would have been asked to go in like the kitchen entrance because she was black Yeah, and it just baffles me 
that that existence was ever real was ever well it wasn't necessary but that it, it happened and one of the things that sorry another clang moment i've already jay-z'd so i might as well throw tom jones in <laughs> um when one of the one of the conversations that i had with with tom jones was actually about how um how he had so many experiences um particularly in america when he was going over to work with people like aretha and he said at one point her i can't remember the name of who who was her her boyfriend and manager i can't remember his name bit of a nasty piece of work yeah i can't um, remember can't remember his name but anyway he was there and they were doing this tv show and they were going to sing this beautiful love song and they're basically well, well you can't sing that you can't sing that and it was like well why can't i sing that because because you can't sing that because that's a love song yeah but we're both soul singers why can't we sing it because she's a black woman you can't sing that you're a white man and like this kind of weird like battle that even as you know as the white man he was like but why can't why can't we do this why can't you know he wasn't the oppressed one (laughs) but he even he was like you know this is crazy and she was like well yeah tell me about it um, but you know, and, and this sort of crazy controlling thing for, from this from this boyfriend manager who was just basically like you know get away from her, she's mine, mm. and treated her like an object. And it's like, you know, th- I know. Sorry, I've got into Aretha now, but but thinking about Nina Simone, you know, she was just she was just so unbelievably troubled and angry, yeah. um, and rightfully so. But but managed to put all of that into this incredible catalogue of music that will just be with us forever that will stand the test of time and what's interesting is that people like me who discovered her through my baby just cares for me that that song is so not her no (laughs) absolutely not her but that you know that's 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 happened with so many artists you know i'm so sort of a similar kind of ilk but um very different character but um you know etta james you know her she she also you know unbelievable life i mean again not a very nice person for a bit of it was heroin addict and all Mm. sorts she had a really really excuse me troubled time but uh, much of the stuff that you know she was really really well known for was not really her bag you know wasn't really her kind of the, the stuff that she really wanted to sing it's just it's just what the producers wanted her to yeah. do Janice Joplin same you know same with her like I actually discovered Janice Joplin as I'm sure many people of my age did was from the the Levi's advert where they played um, Mercedes Benz you know oh lord won't you buy me a Mercedes yeah, that's the one and I was like oh my god what's that voice that's amazing and it was something that my parents hadn't introduced me to as a kid so kind of you know and I was sort of probably about 10 or 11 when that came and I was like who is that voice um and from that point onwards it's like wow she's amazing but yeah then when you sort of listen to everything else that she that she wrote and recorded like nothing nothing like that you know it's real eggy soul music with kind of this kind of southern rock kind of feel absolutely remarkable and you know very quickly very briefly you were Mm. talking about tom jones and nina Mm. simone i saw a documentary not that long ago actually with eric clampton and many years ago he was touring around America with B.B. King and they had to go in different doors. Mm -hmm. It's frightening. It's terrifying. 
you know, why why am I allowed in the front because my skin is white? Yeah. Like, come on, what the hell? Why did that ever happen? Anyway, this is an ancient argument. We're never going to win. But... No. <laughs> but so this is Nina Simone, and the name of the track is Four Women. My skin is black. My arms are long. That is powerful, to say the least, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Let's jump ahead a bit. How did uh, you and the affirmations come together? So, 2011-ish, I was working with my previous band, Hannah Williams, The Tastemakers, um, and the, uh, the... leader and songwriter um for that band found me while i was directing a gospel choir at the university of winchester um and sort of off the back of that we sort he sort of said you know i've i've written this soul album i think i'd like you to sing it and from there the you know the band was born anyway um we had we released a hill of feathers um as hannah williams and the tastemakers under record kicks who were Um, Milanese label who we've released all our albums with in 2013 the tastemakers kind of came to a close so I was just about to have my little boy Leo who's now eight um who's a tv star in his own (laughs) (laughs) he absolutely lapped it up didn't he (laughs) (laughs) he's definitely his mother's son Uh, um yeah very proud um but yeah so um and at that point basically um a few members of the band were like look we just you know we've got to keep carry it we've got to crack on um which is really sad so um but I t- obviously totally understood. So mm. that we went our separate ways at that point. And it was it was my keys player, James, who had at that point kind of just come in as a bit of a session guy, really. Our previous keys player, Florian, had moved back to um, Berlin, where he's from. Um, and we, we needed someone else to play keys. So he came in um, and it was very obvious to me from that moment, that the moment that I first met James and heard him play, that he was of a completely different calibre to, well, to any of us, to be honest. Um, and just the most remarkable musician and an absolute sweetheart um, as well. And it was him that was like, you know, Ham, we, we can't stop. You can't just stop because a couple of people don't, don't want to wait um, while, you have your, while you have your baby. Um, so how about I write you an album? You know, how about we, we write something together? You know, we work on this, la la. Anyway, that's where Late Nights and Heart, Heartbreak came from, was basically from James just saying, you know, let's crack on, let's keep going. And over the course of the next sort of three or four years, some other members who kind of historically been in the band sort of decided to move on to other things and follow different career paths. Because um, for a lot of them, it was music was kind of a bit more of a hobby. Mm. We kind of then ended up gathering well loads of james's mates from bristol um who were all just incredible musicians um and yeah that's that's kind of how it happened it all really came from you know james's belief um belief in me and his social circle (laughs) (laughs) and when did radio airplay happen for you because i was telling you off air that i first heard you create charles play 50 foot woman so were you getting airplay before that? Yeah. So, funnily enough, actually, Craig was the first person to ever play us. 
and he played a tune from A Hill of Feathers, which we actually released as... Um, we actually released that. We did a self-release of that. Um, I still have a few dusty old copies of it under my bed, which maybe someday will be worth something. Um, but <laughs> we, we, re- we did a little... Um, uh, a little seven inch of that and I can't remember what the other song was now but yeah a couple of songs um, and we sent that to Record Kicks to see if they would be interested in signing us and they said yes off the back of this but it was called, <laughs> it was called Deep Fried Funk They're, and latterly named Kitchen Strut which was a song that I'd sort of written a bit a bit tongue in cheek I was sort of taking the mick um, so I'll let you have a listen to that at your leisure, people. But um, but yeah, Craig loved it, and he pl- he actually played that before we'd even released Hill of Feathers. Before we'd actually released our first album, Craig was championing us off the back of that little self-release seven-inch. So he's been a real you know Trojan for us in just championing us from from the get-go. And yeah, him along with people like Huey Morgan, um, uh, Jamie Cullum, um, who else has been really into us? Oh, you, um, uh, Janice Long. I came up to I came up to see her actually at BBC Wales a couple of years back, um, and I've done a couple of radio things with her. Um, but yeah, lots of international radio airplay. Um, we get played a lot on FIP, which is um, a big. French station and Radio Nova also French We there was a song on, on our first album that Hill of Feathers album called Work It Out that randomly did unbelievably well in Greece and was like number one in Greece for a bit um, so yeah kind of sporadic little pockets of excitement yeah. have happened um, kind of in, in in radio terms over the years well I don't have the Craig Charles audience but I try <laughs> I honestly do try your... it's not quantity it's always quality absolutely <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. Your next choice, Hannah, is from the legendary Otis Redding. Mm. Tell me about this one. So Otis Redding is definitely somebody that was played in my household as a child, um, and a voice that I is just is just like butter, isn't it? It's just mm. incredible, but still with that gritty rawness that I think is well. As I'm looking through my list now while we're talking, I'm like, oh, everyone's got a bit of that actually. <laughs> this sort of gritty, kind of slightly broken ness about about the voice um but just an absolute soul powerhouse yeah um who again like you know like nina like radiohead like bill had the most prolific um back catalog you know there were so many songs that he that he wrote and released that he covered that other people have now covered you know that you don't even realize are otis redding tunes and this this tune i just love it it's not well known it's a really random one it's pretty shonky production the drums are far too loud but i just love it it's just got this raw like you can tell it was like a a bit of a Late night, excited, too many beers, one take moment. Yeah. And I just love the energy of it. If you can't groom it, boy, you might as well let me be. It's love and time. That's what my baby told me. Your next choice, Hannah, is from a lady that I guess all female singers aspire to uh, emulate, and I also guess that you're one of them, the late and very great Aretha Franklin. Mm, yeah. 
just, I mean, I don't really need to say much about Aretha, do I? No. Um, she's but do, just, please. <laughs> just remarkable. <clears throat> um, her, her ability to just sing at the drop of a hat um, and sing ostensibly anything. <laughs> like, it sort of didn't really matter what you gave her. Whatever she touched just kind of turned to well not even gold just again like butter she just had this incredible silkiness but a raw power and connection of the vocal folds like i've never heard in anyone else even, even her her pop years oh man. you know who's She's zooming who the stuff with george yeah. michael yeah yeah i mean even that you know, which which some you know purists might say, oh, you know, she sold herself. She ran away from soul and went into pop because that's what people wanted. But so what? Go do it. Yeah, if you can why not? Have a bloody good go at it, and she did. You know, all the stuff, like I said, the stuff that she did with George Michael particularly was wonderful. Mm. You know, I love I love all of that stuff. So yeah, she's just she's just remarkable, and her her kind of founding years as you know as a gospel singer. You know, she grew up in church as well. And, you know, this kind of her faith, uh, I think, carried her through quite a lot of very, very difficult times as well. But she's she's just got she's got something in her that I don't think anyone else has ever been able to copy, emulate, whatever you want to call it. Like we can all say, oh, that's a bit of an Aretha moment. All that sounded a bit like Aretha Franklin. But. Nobody can really do it. No. She was, you know, we all have a unique voice print fact, you know, exactly same as our as our fingerprints. You know, you can, you can, you can sound like someone, but you'll never be identical. And who would want to be? What's the point of that? Mm. Be yourself. But her voice print is like one of the most identifiable sounds I think in the history of soul. She was a gift from God. She really was, yeah. and you know. I'm just so grateful that she managed to, you know, much like, well, much like many of the people that are on my list, actually, but much like Nina, you know, came from actually extraordinarily humble, difficult beginnings and had very difficult lives, but still managed to make this incredible music and do it with positivity and love and spread a message of of love and hope and freedom and togetherness and liberty and all those things that i've held so close to my heart my whole life so she really truly is the queen of soul You're listening to another edition of Radio Good Morgan's Music was my first love with British soul singer Hannah Williams choosing ten of her favourite tracks. I might just do you in Ain't it a sin Ain't it a sin I chose that tune of Charles Bradley um, to kind of represent my love for, for Daptone Records who have uh, championed so many incredible soul musicians um, in in their history um, and Charles Bradley's just one of those and I'm 
very, very privileged to be able to say that I was able to, I supported Charles Bradley and also Sharon Jones and also Lee Fields <laughs> um, over the last uh, 10 years, um, which all of them were, were remarkable. But I have to say the time that we supported Charles Bradley at um, Colston Hall, which is, well, now no no longer called Colston Hall. Now it's called Bristol Beacon, um, incredible theatre and music space in um, in Bristol. And I was lucky enough to get about an hour and a half with Charles after the show. And he was just the kindest, most loving, most unusual and beautiful soul. Um, within 10 minutes, he had me weeping and talking about God. You know, like he was just, he had this incredible ability to just make people feel extraordinarily welcome and comfortable. Mm. Um, and you just wanted to share your life story with the guy. Because, um, you know, he's he had, for anybody that doesn't know Charles Bradley, he, he sort of had this part-time music career his whole life, really. He was born in 1948. Um, and he didn't really come into, well, Daptone, you know, sort of discovered him. Um, in sort of the early noughties. So he spent sort of the first 50 years of his life really in, in obscurity and suddenly just found his 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 place with Daptone and released, um, I think it was four incredible records. No Time for Dreaming was the one that kind of really grabbed me. I can't remember if that was his first or his second, but just an incredible, incredible record. And when we supported Charles for the second time in Bristol, the album that Eight It Eight Sins on had just come out. And I just remember hearing that for the first time and just being like, oh my God, it's like the coolest soul track I've ever heard. And he just exuded cool. Um, and much like I was saying earlier about these odd voices being very kind of important to me and really kind of shaping the way that I, I think about um, singing and, and, you know, making your sort of stamp on the music industry. And he did that so amazingly well because he kind of sounded like a, you know, bag of spoons sometimes, but it didn't matter no. because he did it with this incredible energy and conviction and wow like it didn't matter that his vocal folds were tired it didn't matter that he wouldn't hit the notes because that wasn't what it was about and it goes back to my one of my first statements about you know soul is not a genre it's mm. a feeling and he was he just epitomized that and just i found him such an inspirational performer he was so full of love he would go out and literally embrace everyone in the crowd after every show you know he'd walk around the theater covered in sweat and sequins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and would just hug anyone that wanted him to crying his eyes out holding their hands looking into their eyes and you know there was um there's a uh, there was a story about when when he sadly passed away in 2017 um he was uh, he was sat with the Daptone guys and you know he just said one of his last words was like you know I, I tried to reach them all you know I tried to, I tried to look into everyone's eyes and it was like oh my god like it just makes me weep thinking about what a sh you know, how but, sad that he came to it so late I know um and he because he was like he was a James Brown like impersonator well yeah you can hear it yeah, yeah of course <laughs> um and did kind of really kind of you know a real hard-working jobbing musician but you know he was homeless for a bit um he was you know he came from it was really kind of destitute for much of his life 
um, and again from extraordinarily poor hum and very very humble beginnings and you know he he did for anybody that hasn't hasn't heard his version of changes so um tracked by ozzy osbourne ah yeah, um, yeah we're going through changes which um you know you wouldn't really think uh oh, charles bradley really honestly i implore you go and watch the music video for that because they did this incredible they shut like a street in new york and had like you know water spraying and like posh cars driving and all this real kind of sexy videography going on and they didn't use any of it then the ends up and it's just this one shot video of charles singing to camera and this song he sat and he told me about this when we met which i feel so fortunate for um it was it was about his mum so his mum died and she'd just been like his everything she'd been like the person that he just wanted to look after and who kind of was his guide you know and when she died he just sort of he just didn't know what to do with himself really um, and that song was, was, you know, was about her. And you see this grief in his face when he sings that song. And it's like, <sighs> mind-blowing. So, yeah, kind, lovely, funny, sweet, odd, beautiful man. Loved him. Lovely. Loved him. What a, Love his music. What a description. Mm. I said during the introduction uh, that people listening to this programme who don't know your music and work with the affirmations will know you from The Voice 2021. Mm. How did that come your way? And, and with a career <laughs> underway, why did you decide to audition? Well, long story short, 2020 happened, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, in sort of March of 2020, maybe April, the opportunity arose for, for me to just have a little go, you know, have a try. And I was extremely sceptical about it because, you know, I, I, I didn't watch it. I don't watch it. I'm, I hate the X Factor. I think mm -hmm. it's cruel and it's based on effectively, you know, belittling people and yeah. making them feel awful. And having been a, a stoic advocate for community music making and it doesn't matter what you sound like as long as you're feeling ex feeling like you're having a good time um you know certainly in the community music forum um to watch some people being just completely ridiculed yeah. um, always really upset me and made me extremely angry um and I just, you know, I completely boycotted it. And if anybody ever asked my opinion, I was very honest about it, as I am now. Um, so I was very sceptical about doing The Voice. Um, and I was very tempted to just say no and just knock it on the head. Um, but the more and more people that I spoke to, and let's not forget this is 2020, so it was all on Zoom, which mm. we were still getting our heads around. Yeah. Everyone that I spoke to, everyone that I, I, I had a audition with, literally every single person that I came to contact with from the voice team was just charming and lovely and were very open to listening to the sorts of opinions that I've just expressed to you and made it very clear that the voice was, was very different and I'm pleased to say that that was true and it was an, a very positive loving and fun experience. Did you learn um, a lot? Yeah I did I did. I really did. I'd, I'd never done telly before, um, so that was a real eye-opener, um, and I just adored it. Um, but, yeah, I did. You know, I, I think, and I don't mean this to, I really don't mean this to sound arrogant, but it was another moment of just affirming what I've always thought was right, which was just, don't, just, don't, don't try hard to try and be somebody that you're not, yeah. you know. Don't, don't try and put on a face for telly. Don't try and, you know 
sort of pepper the truth just be yourself and sing the way that you always do sing the way that feels good and um and that was a real joy but also you know singing alongside particularly singing alongside Sir Tom mm. um was really quite an experience because he too really a very humble man cheeky naughty but yeah. a very you know a very <laughs> humble nice guy and 81 now I know it's funny. frightening with a voice that could still, you know, get women to throw their knickers at him, which is quite remarkable. Mm. Um, I didn't throw mine at him, I just hastened to add. <laughs> I just gave him a vinyl and left it at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's just, you know, he's, a, he's an extraordinary human being. And to, to have had that time with him was really fab. But actually, I think I learnt more from being around all the other contestants who were just brilliant. And some of them genuinely have become lifelong friends. Um and I just, I just adored every second of it. It was brilliant. We we saw the the support that you have from your family. We mentioned your son earlier, and I want to ask you about something that that we talked about off air before we started recording. But I'll ask you the question again: disappointment to have fallen at the final hurdle? No, no. I think my my only disappointment, if I'm perfectly honest with you, um, was not being able to sing what would have been my winner's single. So the final two, which ended up being Grace and Craig, and huge well done to both of those people. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant musicians. Um, but um, my final tune would have been um, Primal Screams Moving On Up. Oh, right, yeah. I yeah. was blind, now I can see. Yeah. You made a believer. And it was a brilliant arrangement. The band who just don't get enough credit in my opinion the band on the voice are just someone else um and there was the most amazing arrangement i had the most incredible dress which i'm actually sat here looking at as i speak <laughs> um and i just it was the all three songs so my solo song little runaway by celeste yeah. um my duet with tom um and moving on up they were sort of a bit of a a smorgasbord of the things that I can do. You know, it was a nice little sort of variety show of all the different types of things that I can I can present. Um, and without that, I kind of feel like I never really got to show all my tricks, which, yeah. was, which was a shame. But um, I'm never one to let anything lie. So um, we're actually, I'm doing a project with my friends at the University of Winchester, where I used to run the department. A music department, um, some local schools, some voice contestants and finalists, um, and we're doing a charity single of it as a big community um, oh, fundraiser for shelter. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's no by no means is it lost. It's still going to happen, just in a slightly different format. But um, but yeah, to answer what I'm sure you're really after, um, no, I'm not disappointed to have not won. There was a moment when I was a bit like, oh god damn, because I am. I am naturally I do have a competitive streak not not in a not fiercely not unpleasantly but I love to win um <laughs> so not winning yeah I think kind of on a primal level I was disappointed but actually I think winning would probably have ended up being a little bit difficult because I think it probably would have ended up taking me away from my band um, and potentially have led me more down a kind of slightly more pop commercial yeah. route, even though I'm sure it would only have been for a short time. And even though I know that the people from the from the management, from from uh, from Polydor, from the record label, everybody that I met through that were much, very much behind what I was doing. But you do have to think about the market. 
you do have to think about the market you're, you're going into as a, as a voice winner um, and I think it would have been quite different from the stuff that I was working on with the affirmations yeah. um, that we're st- you know we're still working on now um, so in a way it was a silver lining I'm just so pleased to have had the opportunity incredible exposure but mostly just the fun yeah. it was such a laugh um, and you know I got to wear awesome frocks and <laughs> brilliant people every day so there we go before we move <laughs> on to your seventh choice I just want to mention one name because you threw her into the conversation of one of the songs that you did Celeste is a talent isn't she oh wow remarkable again another kooky voice that's not like anyone else yeah. I love her I just think she's brilliant and again this kind of mysterious character that's just so alluring mm. um, not in a sexy way just in a not although she is very sexy but you know as a just as a as a human being she's so different and yeah. so elegant and it's almost like she's been in a time capsule since like the late 60s or something because she just has this this sort of elegance about her and real kind of sweetness mm. um, but I just I just love her I think her songwriting is is exceptional I think she's a very sophisticated writer, performer. Oscar nominated. Oh, my God. I know. And what is she, 21, 22? Unbelievable. I mean, it shouldn't be allowed, should it? How well, no. And, How and, can you be that talented? Unfortunately, <laughs> though, all I hope I hope um, the people behind promotion don't sell her out because all her music has been used for TV adverts at the minute. It is, but, you know, I've found lots of songs through TV commercials. And yeah. I think... They can be really amazing at getting music out there. We've had a few. Um, we got a, a bunch of syncs off of our of, off of our last album, um, and you know it's actually made a lot of people go, "Who's that?" You yeah. know, Shazam it or whatever, and then suddenly, oh, we've got another ten thousand followers yeah. in LA. You know, all through a, a commercial for a car. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I think I think that 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 unfortunately i don't know how much you know about the sort of how you know how money really works in the industry but like without that sort of that sort of trickle of of money from from things like adverts and films Mm. and samples actually it's quite it's quite difficult to make loads of money yeah and you know everybody always wants a slice of the pie so um yeah they are they are a a necessary evil (laughs) now honey your your seventh choice Mm. is a british singer i love since I first saw her a few years ago on the Hootenanny, and in particular a song she did called Age. Tell me about the wonderful, wonderful Leanne Havers and Paper Thin. Oh, wow. I'm just completely in love with this woman. Mm. Um, she is a remarkable writer, singer, guitarist, arranger, um, and live performer. Um, there's a couple of, um, actually to hark back to what I was, who I was talking about earlier, she's also a, a massive Aretha fan. Um, and there's an incredible live version of her singing, um, oh my God, it's gone out of my head. What was it? Um, da, 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 da. I just need to find it. Hang on. But yeah, I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. But yeah, she's... Um, she say a little prayer uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow yeah and it's just amazing like it's not aretha it's very different but it's just her and her guitar and a microphone live and it is mesmerizingly beautiful and so powerful and oh god it makes everything tingle yeah she's wonderful but she's um she again like she's just so nice like she's such a lovely person mm. and like you know, I think 
there's there's such a lot of there's a lot of fear I think especially being you know being a young artist which okay maybe not not so young now I'm 39 but like oh, particularly that's when young I was, <laughs> thank you darling <laughs> how kind but yeah I mean particularly when I was sort of you know first starting out in my 20s and actually even earlier than that you know when I was sort of doing little gigs when I was in my teens like I was so terrified because you know, there's such a fear of the, in inverted commas, the snakes in the industry yeah. coming to try and rob you and screw you up and, you know, make you do things you don't want to do and what have you. And actually, the more and more people that I meet, as we're, particularly when we're on the road, very few people are unpleasant. Most people that I've met have just been lovely and that's uh, particularly people who i've really admired and i haven't met leanne the harvest yet um, <laughs> but my guitarist has um and he's like she's just an absolutely lovely kind sweet person mm. but with this you know almost alien talent she's she's honestly incredible um and i just i love everything that's come out of her and the most recent album is breathtaking i feel like it's kind of i don't know it's like it's, it's her it's her white album you know <laughs> yeah no, i know what you it's mean it's like she's just she's just suddenly kind of it's like she's gone right and now i'm going to release the album i really want to release yeah um not that any any of our, any of the rest of it seems to have been anything other than awesome but but she's just amazing self-titled album leanne la harvest in 2020 go listen to it this song is on there paper thin God only knows the pain you're in The future's bright You've got God on your side He's listening She's got a very attractive voice. Oh, she's just amazing. I kind of forgot that I was doing a radio show for a minute. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, no, me too. <laughs> She's and she's I mean she's she's absolutely beautiful as yeah. well. I think possibly the most beautiful person on the planet, just in case you're listening. I live in Winchester. Um <laughs> Leanne <laughs> Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, she's oh she's just remarkable. Um and again, like she's not afraid to sound a bit broken and a bit tired and a bit real. Yeah. And I mean that track particularly you can hear, I mean, especially listening to that through headphones, like you can really hear how like how tired yeah she is and there's something that makes it almost more believable when you hear someone not in inverted commas perfect because actually perfect's pretty damn boring i think she's um a unique talent and i think she's incredibly underrated actually yeah but you know what she got um she was nominated for a Brit. I think she's she already got a Mercury. I can't even remember now. Yeah, I think she has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's just she's just she's absolutely just escalating at an exponential rate, and long may it continue. How does it feel to have been blessed and spoken about so highly by Sharon Jones prior to her 2016 passing? Oh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Sharon on a couple of occasions. Um, we supported her um, way back. When, well, to be honest, we should never have supported Sharon Jones. We did not know what we were doing in 20, 2012 or whatever it was. <laughs> but we got the gig and I drove a minibus full of uh, the band all the way to Leeds and back again in Brilliant. the same day. Um, but, oh, my God, it was worth it. Yeah, she was uh, just another beautiful human, much like Charles Bradley, like just you know came from really unbelievably humble beginnings had a very difficult life um was you know uh, 
was a victim of of you know of abuse of mm. racial hatred you know she was told at one point i can't remember who it was but somebody from one of the um record st- companies just said like um you know we're not going to sign you because you're too fat too old and too black and it was like when has that ever had anything to do with what you sound like mm. <laughs> who cares about yeah. that nobody actually in their right mind so yeah just and she just you know she just her whole life was a bit of a middle finger up to that statement really and that like okay cool well if you don't want me i'm gonna go somewhere where i really am loved and absolutely smash it and she did and she's just a remarkable woman and the work she um, did with the dap kings yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I'm still um, in um, frequent contact with one of the Dapettes, with one of her backing vocalists, Sandra Williams, um, who's, who's a, again, a remarkable artist and singer. And she and Sharon and their other um, singer, Star Duncan, they were, they used to sing, you know, gospel gospel trio, go and do sort of weddings and things from when they were sort of in their, I think, in their sort of 20s. And, you know, lifelong friends that really stuck through it, the whole thing. Um, but she was just beautiful, you know, and she just said, you know, what you've got, you've been you've been blessed with and, you know, use it for good. Have you heard, I only discovered it the other week and I'm going to play it on my show on the weekend. Have you heard their version of Goldfinger? The, the what, Sharon Jones? Th- Sharon Jones and the Dapkins doing Goldfinger. No. Yeah, I'll, oh, send no you, I'll send you a link for it. <gasps> Amazing. Thank you. That's okay, you're welcome. <laughs> now, here's a really inspirational singer who you must be a huge fan of, Brittany Howard. Yes, I am. I have fangirled so hard over Brittany Howard. Um, she is... I've used the word remarkable far too much. It's fine. Show, she really is. Um, she's she's just astonishingly brilliant. And um, so when I, f- I first heard her through Alabama Shakes... Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, also have done remarkably well, um, and uh, another of her bands, Thunder Bitch, who are really cool. Um, and she last year she released her first solo album called Jamie, which is um, a memorial to her sister, who um, apparently taught her how to play piano and really kind of shaped her as a as a person. But sadly died when they were when they were quite young. I think when they were sort of in their teens. Um, and the album's not about her, but it's in this sort of memorial to her. And it just, it tackles a lot of things that she's um, <clears throat> that she's gone through, that she's kind of struggled with, that she's thought um, over her life. And, and one of those things, so she, she came out as gay in, when she was like 25, I think. Um, she's, she's now mar- happily married to um, one of the musicians from one of her other bands. And you know she's 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 very open about her her sexuality about everything, and a, an incredible person to to not just to listen to as a, as a singer, but actually extremely captivating as a as a um, uh, as a storyteller, I guess. Really, you know, she's wonderful to hear her interviews. Uh, this this particular album, Jamie, is just. Um, it's like she's been let off the leash you know it's just it's totally there's moments of complete wildness um, and moments of absolute vulnerable um, you know vulnerability and and sadness Um, but one of the things that she discusses in it um, other than kind of race there's a lot of things about race because she's um, she's she's mixed race um, and you know she was like she basically she never really sort of belonged to anyone 
you know, the white people called her black and the black people said she wasn't black enough. Um, and she really kind of struggled with all of that. And there was lots of kind of hatred towards her and her family when she was growing up in Alabama. Um, but also, you know, she was like, to top all that, I was like a funny looking gay girl who was in love with this, you know, this older girl in my school. Um, and she wrote, she, so she's written this song called Georgia, and it's basically, you know, an ode to this girl that she fell in love with as a teenager when she, she wasn't allowed to be gay. So there we go. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia to notice me. You and the band must get a real thrill from playing live. Oh, yeah, big time. Just listening to that makes me think of being on stage. <laughs> but you've obviously missed it now since early 2020. Yeah, we really have. Um, yeah, it's been it's been weird. It's been really weird. But we've definitely not um, sat on our laurels. Um, we've been really busy. Um, so we've just... Uh, we've just finished recording about 20 25 new songs right um which will hopefully make up the next um next album or two cross fingers unless um, unless the next one's a double of course unless the next <laughs> one's a double yeah good point good point um i don't think you can fit that much on vinyl when it's definitely coming out on vinyl no excellent good <laughs> It'd be far too expensive more and more people are doing that yeah, big time. Well, all of our stuff's come out on vinyl, and there's just something about, well, I can't remember who it was now. Somebody just said, there's something about your voice on vinyl that is just, it means you've always got to do it. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll listen to that. I don't know what you mean, but I get it. <laughs> no, do you know there are certain, the one album that I've always thought sounds better to this day on vinyl than it does on CD is Thriller. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't have that. Probably just me, but there's I something something about it on vinyl. Um I'm ashamed to say uh, that I know absolutely nothing about your final two choices. Ah, brilliant. Uh, so what I was can hoping you... they'd be random. <laughs> so what can you tell me about uh, Can and Vitamin C? So I put this on the list, and I will be brutally honest with you, I didn't really know that much about Can either, but when I wrote this list for you, um, I was sat with the band, um, and we had just listened to Can. So... Um, most of what I've sent, in fact, everything I've sent you, um, everything that we've listened to this evening, which has been super fun, um, it's all, they're all songs and artists that have massively inspired me, but also really inspired my band um, and influenced the way in which we write, the way in which we record, the way in which we shape grooves, the way in which we do strange things with, with melody. Um, everything every sort of element of our music is is hugely influenced by you know people that we admire and respect and, and love um and particularly the, the latter few few artists um on on this list um leanne the harvest and Brittany howard being particularly up there um have been really quite important to the the generation of of the music that the world is yet to hear that we've just been writing um, and we'd been, we were really looking for, we were looking for this kind of heavy, like heavy sort of unapologetic groove, but that could sort of still sound a little bit, a little bit edgy and a little bit kind of sexy. Um, and James, my keys player, just went, hang on, what about Can? Listen to this song. And I was like, hmm, who now? Hmm. Anyway, so he put this, he put on, I actually can't remember which song 
awfully i can't remember which song it was but it it had it had a had a just an amazing feel to it and which was right for the song that we were we were trying to work on and we sort of really drew inspiration from that um but their most their most famous tune is is this one vitamin c and i actually think i, I think people will recognize it when they hear it um because it's been sampled it's been using loads of stuff but um but yeah so can were um a sort of late 60s like weird rock uh, german rock band (laughs) (laughs) but they just wrote the most unbelievably awesome stuff that i mean is so mad so left field so completely off the beaten track of anything vaguely commercial and normal but i think that's why i love it because it's just all elements of weirdness and excellent execution on their instruments and they played with lots of crazy sounds you know it was back you know late 60s when kind of electronic music was really having its honeymoon um and just everyone was going mad for all the electronics um and you really can hear that in this but also they were brilliant brilliant musicians um but yeah i mean the 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 lyrics are mental you know you're losing your vitamin c it's it's very odd odd lyrics but I, i think that makes me love it even more Uh, different. <laughs> what an excellent response. Yes. yes. But listen, your your final choice um, on this dish of music was my first love uh, is from a Dutch band, Alting Gun, who yes. again I've never heard of, but I did find this very very interesting. They're um, they're they're really. Um so they're this oh, I don't know how to describe them they're, they're like psych, very psychedelic hmm. um, kind of rocky influences um, but they're like to- Turkish folk yeah but from the Netherlands so a lot of it, it well it's, all the lyrics are all in Turkish so it's it's like and I don't speak Turkish so a lot of you know I don't really understand anything that's actually being said but this just sort of I, uh, we saw these guys. The reason I've put them on the, here is because we saw these guys at. Um, we were very, very lucky in that we got to play uh, North Sea Jazz Festival, mm-hmm. um, which for anyone that's never heard of that, an amazing jazz festival that happens in I think it's in Rotterdam or The Hague. I can't remember. Um, and it's just brilliant and like just the most incredible people. Everyone plays there. I think the night that we were there, it was Emily Sanday, Gregory Porter, Mama's Gun. Like, there were so many incredible people playing. Um, And we were just like, oh, God, what are we doing here? A bit of (laughs) imposter syndrome, you know? But we played this wonderful stage, had had a cracking gig. Um, It was really hot, and everyone was just up for it, and great crowd. Um, But before us... Altin Gun played and they just ripped the place apart and it was so fresh and exciting and unusual and it just sort of took all of us by surprise and we were just stood there like agog listening and like watching from backstage just like what is this incredible sound and anyway i became i've become an absolute fangirl um and will now sort of attempt to sing along in turkish (laughs) do you know i i listened to this before i looked them up Mm. 
Do you know what Hasidic music is? Yeah. That's I, I thought it was Israeli music. Yeah, yeah. So it's got lots of elements of that, and in fact, so um, when I when when we I first sort of really fell in love with this, I would play it a lot when I was getting ready. Um, and myself and my backing vocalist Victoria Cluin, we'd often share rooms because she can put up with my snoring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'd often share rooms, and we would quite frequently be sort of like you know showering and like getting ready and dancing around like idiots in our pants to Alton Gunn. And she spent quite a lot of time um, in the Middle East when she was younger, mm. and she actually said like listening to, but particularly actually some of the stuff that's a bit kind of more chilled out than what you're going to hear now, um, it really reminded her of like the to prayer um, and just hearing that kind of just echoing out across um, you know across the city um, in the most incredible way which was so and it became such a kind of uh, a warming um, very welcome sound for her yeah um, so yeah I totally get that it really has got a very kind of Israeli feel um, and I just love it. I just think it's cool, it's fresh, it's different, um, and they're just brilliant young musicians. As we sit here chatting at the end of June 2021, mm-hmm. you and the Affirmations have had a very successful, what, nine-year career. Mm-hmm. And as COVID restrictions begin to come to an end, and I hope I'm not saying that in 12 months' time, what are the future plans for Hannah Williams and the Affirmations? Well, we've got quite a lot up our sleeve, if I'm honest. Um, so, as I've already said, we've been writing a huge amount of, of material, um, which we're hoping we'll be able to release over the next year or so. Um, and uh, we're going to be back on the road pretty pretty soon. Um, we were due to be playing mostly jazz festival up in um, Birmingham. Yeah. We're playing a few gigs um, around the UK over the next couple of months and then we start back out on the road into Europe again cross fingers (laughs) (laughs) if the traffic like system (laughs) and we can all get visas because of Brexit oh my god Um, yeah we're back in France um, and then we've got kind of loads and loads of, of European gigs that should have happened over the last 18 months that obviously didn't um, some of which that have been pushed back and we're now doing them in 2022 and a bunch of new ones that have come on the scene probably helped a little bit by a certain television programme yes um, and yeah so onwards and very much upwards we hope well I mentioned a couple of times uh, only because I, I I like a lot of the music that you obviously like I, I present a three hour Saturday night show on Radio Good Morgan mm. it's a show which is all about the music rather than the chat so when the time comes that you come and play South Wales, would you come and do a little acoustic set for us? Oh, of course. I'd love to. Go I'm on. coming to South Wales, but only on holiday. And I don't think my son's good enough on the guitar to accompany me yet. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> We've got decent venues for you here, you know. Yeah, I know. I think the only place I've ever played, actually, we played um, Gudahu. Um, in Cardiff a yeah. couple of times, um, but I think I think that's been our only foray into Wales. So come on, let's be having you. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Jones likes me. Surely you must. <laughs> either that, either that. If you can't get it together, we'll do something on Clean Feed. Get you and the band oh, together, and I would I would love that. Hannah Williams, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for coming on. Music was my first love. I've loved every second of it. Me too. Thank, Thank you, 
You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where British singer Hannah Williams has been choosing ten of her favourite songs. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when someone else chooses ten of their favourite songs on another edition of Music Was My First Love. Look at the future.